G'day, Nigel Moore from the Tech Tribe here, and as you can probably tell from the accent, also from Australia. So I've stolen the microphone from my good friend Richard Tubb and taken over the beginning and end of his podcast to blatantly promote our Tech Tribe. But don't worry, I'm not going to bore you to death with endless details on the features of our product or the technical mumbo jumbo or how long I've been in the industry or blah, blah, blah. Instead, I'll offer you a quick bribe. If you hang around until the end of the episode, which knowing Richard is no doubt going to be a cracker, then I'll let you know some stuff about our tribe and I'll give you some details on a special Tub Talk only deal complete with steak knives. Well, uh, maybe not the snake knives, but for now, enjoy the heck out of the episode and I'll be back at the end. You're listening to Tub Talk, the podcast for IT business owners. Now, the usual voice of Tub Talk, Jeff Nicholson, is on assignment, so I'm doing my own intro for this episode. Double the tub, double the fun, I guess. <laughs> this podcast is all about helping you grow your IT business. This specific episode was recorded live at DatoCon 18 in Barcelona, where I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with Matt Richards, Pete Jaroski, and Adam Stewart of Datto. You'll hear about why MSPs aren't great at marketing and how Datto has helps them with that, what the new REST API is and what that means for business, and why releasing smaller, more focused updates more frequently allows Datto to support their customers better. So now, without further ado, here I am talking with Matt, Pete, and Adam from Datto. Matt Richards, welcome to Tub Talk. It's wonderful to be here. Cool. So we're here in Barcelona at DattoCon and you're the Chief Marketing Officer of Datto. What does that mean and what do you do on a typical day-to-day basis? Well, it's uh, (laughs) never the same day twice. Uh, I think that's what makes it so much fun. Um, So marketing at Datto is broken out across a bunch of functions, so it's good to just think about uh, the functional areas um, that help us out. So uh, demand gen is one of those areas that we're responsible for. So at Datto, 50 to 85% of our leads that our sales team handles come through marketing. Uh, marketing usually first touch and the rest, um, and then you know we might nurture them along the way, but they were sourced in marketing. So that's one whole section, content and demand generation of it. Um, we have, of course, a, an in-house creative team. You've seen the uh, DattoCon Barcelona uh, signage. Yeah. All of that is the result of a Great team we have there on the creative services side. Uh, partner marketing, which is interesting since we're a channel company. All of our marketing in a way targets partners, but we think about our MSPs and what would they need to be successful in marketing. And that's a lot of what our partner marketing organization focuses on is helping them with enabling and selling to their customers. Hmm. So there's that team. Um, communications. Clearly, as I look around the room, and uh, and then we also have product marketing team that uh, that helps out with products, uh, all the positioning, messaging, um, what I like to call the core product marketing deliverables, or things like positioning, messaging, all the collateral, and everything you read and see about what we do. Mm. So that's those are those are the generally the key areas uh, in marketing. Mm. So Datto are one of, if not the biggest managed service uh, provider vendor in the world. So you get access, you get an insight to tons and tons of MSPs around the world, hundreds and thousands of them. Um, Marketing, I would say, um, from my experience, is the number one issues that MSPs struggle with. I guess up front, uh, you're smiling at the moment, but would you agree with that statement or not? I would. Uh, and it's, I would point to research we've done, but that's somewhat self-serving. But yes, our research shows that, but also re- 
research that's done in the channel in general. Like the number one problem folks have in growing a managed services business is sales and marketing. Um, some combination of the two, and, and it all starts at that lead gen. How do I find the next customer? And, and flows through from there of how do I close them? How do I nurture them? How do I expand the business with them? All of those things. But that's 100% the first problem everybody has. So why is it? Why is it that MSPs, I'm not going to say struggle with marketing. I'm going to call it as it is. Why are MSPs rubbish with marketing? <laughs> um, it's, I would say, of course, like everything, there's a bell curve. So there are folks that are quite good and then those that aren't. Um, I think the first symptom of the challenge with marketing is whether or not you have a full-time marketing person. Like generally, if you're trying to do everything and you're small and run the business, it's tough to find the time between trying to close that customer you met last week, between uh, trying to solve problems for your customer tickets, trying to solve issues, um, trying to heal a relationship perhaps you had a challenge with, work with vendors, where are you going to find the time then to build a blog or uh, inbound marketing content or create the next event. Like you just, you, so the smaller folks tend to have more of the challenge in creating the bandwidth themselves to handle it. Um, and as you get larger and MSPs grow, they tend to evolve into having sales people first, and then they might add a marketing person to help make those sales people more efficient. And generally that's the order. So when you say they're, they're rubbish, it's not, it's not, it's, it's very much a generalization. Um, sometimes that's very true. Um, and it's generally just the maturity curve. Where are they in the journey as an MSP and and how have they managed to fill their pipe already? Yeah. Some folks have filled their pipe with absolutely no marketing. And then one day, for whatever reason, that pipe stops and they realize they're really bad at marketing. And that's when um, that's when I really like to talk to them. How can we help? Yeah. As I say, so the old phrase, marketing is a process, not an event. Correct. Yeah. So how do you help them? How do Datto help their MSP partners get better at marketing? So there's a number of different ways um, we provide content. So um, the first and easiest way is to take a look at the content, the white label content and say, you know, um, I need some form of inbound campaign, right? Um, so let's just say you're an MSP and you want to attract new leads. You need an inbound campaign. Here's a little kit. Here's some content you can put on your website with a landing page and a little form, send out a social post and inbound, right? So folks will link through and they'll fill out their little form, get their PDF. And that's a form of inbound marketing for you um, that you're pushing out through your social channels. And you know, that's easy. We have it the way it's all there. I think the biggest challenge there is our partners don't necessarily know it's there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's one way we help. Uh, we also, uh, in um, from a systems perspective, I just doing an informal survey a moment ago with MSPs in the room. How many of you have marketing automation software? Sort of two people raise their hand. A room of 60. Wow. So not a lot. Um, how many people know what it is, which is the next question. Um, but we provide a marketing automation platform for folks who don't have one. So in there goes your leads, your email, the addresses and names and contact information. In there is pre-created campaigns that we create that you can white label. Again, you're playing my MSP today. And uh, you can go in and you can create trickle campaigns, social campaigns, right? And run campaigns through there and help it manage this process of nurturing and creating leads from unknown contacts from a, an event or maybe a Google AdWord campaign or something like that. Mm. So that's another way um, we provide systems. And what's that product? Uh, what's we that call it Market Now. Market, uh, Market Now, now yeah. is, the, is, is what we call it. And we've recently integrated the data Autotask systems into Market Now. So. Uh, and released it as a single um, market now. Platform. So when you say integrated, that means you know you've got the marketing going on, and then they drop into Autotask from there. You know? um, 
when I say integrated, I mean, in this case, that the Autotask um, partner program, the data partner program merged, and we brought the two separate platforms together into one. Uh, and interestingly enough, we were on the same backend system. We just called it different things. So we, it was a matter of migrating data and bringing the systems together. Um, but that's another way, like really active um, systems. Our partner program is, is probably the umbrella to think about all of this in. So in the partner program, uh, we have tiers and different tiers of different benefits. Um, everything from market development funds to NFR devices, to um, sales enablement training, to training on the market now platform, to the actual platform itself, to the content you need. You could go ahead and be pretty effective with the elements we provide you in yeah. developing content. And then around that is this whole MSP easy or MSPZ series. Um, sometimes it works in uh, locally, uh, but the MSPZ series is MSPs talking to MSPs about how to do these things. Lead generation made MSPZ, sales made MSPZ. So um, also just connecting the dots from MSPs who've done it and explaining it to MSPs that have Yeah. That's a good way to wrap up our, our partner program overall. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It I guess, I think I know what the answer is to this, but I'm going to throw this one out there. So if I was to say to you, if you could wave a magic wand and get uh, Datto MSP partners to understand one thing about marketing, what would it be? Ooh. And the reason I think I, I thought I knew the answer to that was perhaps perhaps it was market now that you know they're not aware of that because that sounds like a fantastic resource. It is a great resource. And I think, again, it's a maturity curve. And some folks have nothing and others are out there with HubSpot and other marketing automation platforms. Uh, yes, I would say if you could understand one thing about what Datto does, it would be the resources that Datto provides you. Number two question I had while I was researching what to do um, in my uh, uh, discussion today, or just earlier today, uh, with marketing for MSPs, tips and tricks. Um, the number two question was, what, do you, what resources do you have? Because um, one, we're growing. Two, we have the Autotask partner base and the data partner base coming together. So there's inconsistent level of knowledge. So the magic wand would be here, are, here is the breadth and depth of the marketing elements that you have at your fingertips, right? And that includes market now, but I think it's much greater than that too. It's the various programs. Um, it's the MDF funds, it's the um, NFR devices, it's the partner referral program. I mean, there's just all of this there that folks don't know about. So we're going to need a pretty big magic wand. We do, yes, or two. We'll, we'll get onto that, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, Datto's own marketing efforts and, and specifically uh, a fairly age-old challenge of marketing. How do you balance reaching IT businesses, letting them know about Datto's products and services solutions without overstepping the mark and annoying people? <laughs> and I guess that's a question for you, Matt, as a, as a marketeer, you know, your career as well. How do you balance that? Oof. How to, how to make sure people know about you without being annoying. Yeah. Um, well, everything is a bell curve, so you're going to annoy some people, but hopefully just the outliers. Um, it is a matter of creating content that people are interested in that is not about selling to them. Mm. Right? Would you want me to call you and try to sell you a car? No. But if you're looking for a car, right, you want to know where to go to find out about it. It's not that different from selling to a consumer than selling to anybody. People don't like being sold to. Um, they like improving them, learning, understanding, seeking knowledge, right? And, and so our, jo our job, our role, our goal, and a lot of what we do for data marketing is creating inbound content, interesting content that folks want to hear about, because then it's not an intrusion. Right? Oh, a seminar on 
the latest ransomware results. Oh, I wonder how many people were infected, but that's interesting. Let's get that. And that kind of content, outbound or inbound, however you make somebody aware of it, is, is not so annoying as the constant, gosh, wouldn't you like to buy RMM? You know, is your business going to pieces? Would you like to buy RMM? So I think marketing done well seeks to educate yeah. early. And then, of course, once you understand, oh, and then you understand the problem, and then you work your way through the buying decisions that get you to becoming a partner, then you need to get more specific. But that early stage general awareness, yeah, that's about educating more than anything. Yeah. And I think probably too many companies jump straight into the, hey, um, let's get married sort of thing. Let's, uh, let's go straight in there without doing any of the dating and the educating and everything else. Exactly. And I was I got some direct mail piece the other day and I, I'd see these things and I look and it was it actually was almost offensive. What was said, it was meant to catch my attention, mm. but it was borderline offensive as a homeowner. Like <laughs> it's like there's no way I'm going to go find out more about you. You're trying to sell me something by making me feel dumb. Like I get it. It'll catch my eye, but it's not going to work. Yeah. Whereas if you had sent me something instead on home improvements made easy, I would have been happy as a homeowner to understand more about how to fix the sink. Like that's stuff I read. So it's also about knowing your target audience. Yeah. Makes sense. Now you're a marketeer, but I also know you enjoy tech. Oh yeah. I'm a nerd. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's right. Self-proclaimed. Yeah. You and me both. What new tech has come along that really excites you? And it can be marketing tech. It can be general tech. What's really caught your eye lately? Okay. So if I think about it as applied to marketing, we, and, and where we are in the stage, if you think about having Autotask as a business and data as a business and merging systems, we have data like all over the place. But is it clean? Um, can we gather the insights we want? Yes, of course, we're working on it. But I look at a lot of the up and coming marketing uh, AI um, or machine learning based uh, mechanisms for identifying trends, identifying information, helping me understand back to the point I made a moment ago about understanding your customer. Yeah helping me understand you better and thus be able to get you something that's better targeted. That's exciting to me. And so we start to see some of those platforms, whether it's the website being tailored to you um, or even you know, further taking a look inside Salesforce or your CRM system and helping you understand this customer is a customer that's likely going to grow and be huge. This customer is a customer that based on all we know and what's going on with support tickets, we need to, we need to revitalize because they're, you know, things are a little shaky. Um, to me, that gives me the insights. I need to take action programmatically, not one-on-one, -on -one, but programmatically to help the business move forward and to help uh, keep our MSPs happy. Mm -hmm. And um, that technology is, is, is interesting to me. <clears throat> um, without a doubt, that's sort of the most applicable. <laughs> on the flip side, um, I start looking at IoT, and it's when we stop calling it IoT that it'll be really interesting. I have no yeah. idea what's next. Um, we surveyed our, our MSPs, and they don't either. And we have uh, so many MSPs that respond, and, and some of them are doing some IoT work, but it's more on the idea of sensors, thermostats, lights. Um, it's not yet clear what's going to happen here. And so I just it's one of those spaces where someone's going to come up with that use case, where everyone snaps their fingers and said, yes, okay, finally. And they're going to stop calling it IoT. And then we'll see that adoption. And it becomes popular. Yeah, those are two spots for me that I think. Yeah. Cool. And the point you were saying about the um, the websites being tailored to the visitor, 
I think, you know, going forward, and we're seeing some of this in Autotask as a, as a platform as well, um, where it's tailored to the person who's using it. So if you're a HR person, you sure you don't want to know about the service right. desk. And if right. you're a service desk, you don't want to know about finance. So well, I think exactly. just around the corner, isn't it, about the websites that will yeah. be tailored to the visitor. And all of this in the context of GDPR, right, and, and recognizing that that um, customer um, data and privacy rules are, in, are uh, paramount, of course, but thinking about you, we met you at a show, put your card in the system because you said, yeah, okay, you know, I'd like to know more. Um, and then I can find out that you came to the website. We are at the show talking about RMM, come to the website, start looking at BCDR, attend a few webinars, see you at, at Datacon, go, you attend a session at Datacon about, like I can profile how you move through that process. And then instead of annoying you, broadly, I can pop some information in your direction just for you when you hit the website next. Yeah. And that's a pull. You came to my website, so I showed you something you wanted. Um, you know, that's not being sold to, that's helping me find what I want. Mm. That's, I think, the opportunity. Yeah. If only we could figure out how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Tech can't come soon enough. Yeah. What about on a personal level? What's a, a gadget or something you've picked up recently that you've really enjoyed? Let's see. What have I done lately? Um, honestly, um, I've been starting to work with my daughters on Arduino. Yes. And we were, uh, we put together, so I got my radio control connected to the Arduino board. And so I can, the inputs are in and now I'm working with my 12 year old on uh, creating the, the chassis of the robot. <laughs> and I've just been having a lot of fun. Um, it's all kind of the, it's not that different, just different languages. Um, but for her, it's an exploration. It's a lot of fun. Oh, that sounds uh, brilliant. Um, up and coming engineer, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. And uh, it's just something to do. We have fun. Oh, that's cool. I'll send you a link to um, SmartyBot, which is a um, bot that you can build. You can use a potato to build it. it you add wheels to it and yeah. stuff, a little bit like Mr. Potato Head when we were kids. Oh, yeah, I remember. But, you know, well, I had moves Darth. around and talks and stuff. Darth, Darth Tater is mine, but <laughs> there you go. And you can control it from your smartphone. So very cool. I'll send, you a, right. send yeah, you a link do, to that. Please. Um, yeah. Because those are, um, <laughs> yeah, I think what you're exposed to and what you learn to enjoy, like that it, it almost doesn't matter the subject. It's the, the joy of exploring and the joy of figuring a problem out, regardless of what it is. And this is just a means. And as a gearhead, I yeah. always levitate towards the, the tech. So anything you have would be appreciated. Well, I think we could talk all day about the tech, can't we? Oh, yeah. We'd probably better draw a line under it there. Right. <laughs> Matt, thanks for your time today. Absolutely. Cheers, buddy. Pete, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No, I really appreciate it. So there was a big announcement this morning yep. to do with the REST API during the uh, the keynote presentation. So I tweeted it out, uh, said, I think this is a good thing for the industry. And I had a response, 50% of people saying, yeah, this is really exciting news. And another 50% responding saying, what's a REST API? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, for the uninitiated, why is it a big, what is the REST API and why is it a big deal? Yeah. So the REST API is, is a new method of integration that we have with data. We used to have what's called an XML feed, which is kind of raw data that just gets us exposed uh, to partners and vendors. And they kind of, you know, we say good luck and kind of build an integration with data. And most of that information is, you know, device information, backup status information, alerts, things like that. Um, so we, we got to a point where it's it's not scalable, um, so it's not reliable, uh, uh, frankly. So we decided to build this new REST API that has specific endpoints that are very specific. It's granular. You can actually say, you know, I want information about this specific device with this type of agent, uh, and we expose that to partners and vendors. Um, so what's unique about this, and Austin uh, McCord, our CEO, mentioned this several times, is 
we want to create this open ecosystem, this open access community where developers, vendors, partners can all interact uh, with our data devices and kind of build their own platforms. Uh, you know, we have many tools on our side and, and some of it's good, some of it's bad. Um, and, and it's inevitable that these partners are purchasing these third party uh, applications like BrightGage, IT Glue, just to name a few. Um, so they're, they're using these platforms and we just need to align ourselves with that usage and provide them these, this, this type of data. Mm. What does it look like in practical terms? So I can see the benefits So How does it actually work? Yeah, so it works that you have to be uh, uh, tech savvy, I'd say. You need to understand how to build an API or, or build an integration using API. Um, so you have to understand uh, coding, I would say. So a lot of these partners, uh, some, not most, actually do um, have that technical background. So they can actually incorporate those endpoints into, into code and actually build unique dashboards. A lot of these vendors, I mean, that's the whole premise of their, their business is to build an integration with many different uh, devices so uh, and many different companies. So um, they do uh, use these endpoints to actually make those device calls. Mm. Now, I was chatting to Adam Stewart, VP of products yeah. a little bit earlier. And of course, you know, Adam's been with the company, well, with Autotask previous to, to Datto, 13 years plus. Yeah. So he was saying, you know, um, the suite has grown and there's so many right. different roles. There's presumably a ton of different APIs and lots of other stuff. There's quite a few, yeah. Is, is, so is this part of sort of, a, you know, a bigger um, a program to try and streamline things and make things simpler? I, I think so. I think learning from a release today and, and just uh, integrations and APIs in general. So we're moving into a path where uh, we we want to make this a better user experience for partners and vendors. Um, so the way to do that, you know, we do, like you mentioned, we have several different APIs available there. Autotask has uh, several, Data Legacy has several. I think the vision is making this a better user experience and incorporating all those uh, APIs into one and just say, hey, we have this Data API you know, any vendor partner, feel free, integrate with us. You know, we give these uh, these partners the choice. You know, technically they can choose any type of platform and this method is the way to do that. So we want to make that more streamlined and efficient as possible. And and I think this long-term path uh, to do that. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, a lot of the uh, listeners to this podcast are going to be technical in nature. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a geek. I'm getting excited uh, yeah. about the options here. Uh, yeah. From your perspective as, like a, as a technical person, as a technician, what are you most excited about with this announcement and with you know the future of the REST APIs? Yeah, it just it just opens up several doors. There's a ton of opportunities. I started getting a ton of feedback from partners and vendors. You know, you should do this, you should do that. I think it just leaves so much opportunity that gets me excited. Uh, and this is just our first version, right? Like there's so many things that we can do. Uh, and good thing about data, we release very frequently. So you'll start to see a lot more changes coming soon. Um, but for now, we actually just um, expose uh, read calls so you, or, or, or get calls, I'm sorry. So we just... Um, uh, expose that data for you to read and just see what's available from that specific device. Uh, eventually, we may go to actually configuring certain things from the REST API. So uh, we kind of move and we shift towards um, other third-party platforms becoming that source of truth, right? Where they spend most of their time are on these different pl platforms like Autotest, PSA, uh, ConnectWise, right? That becomes a source of truth and we want to give them that capability. So eventually, you know, we, we start to iterate and we start to um, 
uh, improve on the REST API, it's going to get towards uh, that direction too. Yeah, fantastic. Now, look, Pete, I know you were a man in demand today after that announcement. So thanks yes. so much for spending the time no problem. explaining what the REST API is and perhaps uh, perhaps more people can get excited about it now. No problem. So, thanks for your time. Thanks Cheers, for having me. Yep. Adam, welcome to Tub Talk. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> it's uh, good to catch up with you again. We are here in Barcelona at DattoCon. Now, your job title is Senior Vice President of Engineering at Datto, right? Yes. What does a typical day look like for you? Typical? Well, in my role, my uh, area of responsibility is really product and engineering and infrastructure for all of the legacy Autotask products. Uh, so a typical day for me is first and foremost ensuring availability for our customers uptime uh, so that the software that we work so hard to produce uh, is accessible uh, from them by them um, and then it's working on the roadmap managing projects that are in flight um, and then all of the other administrative kinds of things that deal with hr and uh, policy and process and things like that as well as working with the rest of the executive team on long-term strategy uh, and um, short-term tactical stuff. So yeah. it's a full day. Yes, <laughs> it's a very full day. Now, I want to touch immediately on something you mentioned there, and that's uh, the aspect of hosting. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you, you were with Autotask for 13 years? 13 years, that's right. Yeah. So you know a little bit about um, SaaS products and hosted products here, don't you? So, I do. So Datto serving MSPs in multiple countries and multiple time zones and customers who really at this stage have got a high expectation of really high uptime and perhaps even no downtime, I'd go as far to say that. Plus they store all their data in this secure environment. You've got a lot of responsibilities there. So how the heck do you provide all of those things in the background? Well, I take those responsibilities very seriously. And I talk, uh, I, I educate our sales force about how important it is. And we're not really just mission critical, we're real time mission critical. So I'll talk about something like invoicing is mission critical. If you can't invoice, you can't get paid and that's bad for business. But if you can't invoice for four hours, you don't even notice, it's fine. But if your PSA system or your RMM system is down for four hours, now you're not getting alerts and you're not knowing what your technicians are doing and they're not entering time and your business is literally grinding to a halt. So we take that responsibility very personally at Autotask. And some of the things we do um, are to make sure that first within all of our data centers, every layer within that data center is redundant. Right. And it starts with something as simple as power. So any main component has dual power supplies. And each of those power supplies are fed by separate circuits that go to separate breakers on the board. And that board is backed up with a UPS. And that UPS is backed up with a diesel generator. That diesel generator has at least a week's worth of fuel stored on site and it's tested at least once a week. And that's just power. So we do that with every tier uh, of our data center. And then we do offsite backups and we make sure, you know, just every contingency is there um, to prevent any sort of failure. But we're really smart engineers and we know that even NASA doesn't get it right from time to time. So the other thing that we do is to ensure that we have really good protocols in place for when something goes wrong. We have exceptional um, redundant alerting in place on every layer of our system, uh, everywhere you can imagine. And then when something goes wrong, we snap into action and we have um, communication protocols. So we'll set up a, a, a um, IM channel if it's 
in the middle of the night, uh, or we'll just gather in one place in the office if it's in the middle of the day. And if we're communicating back and forth, we use air traffic control um, protocols where you repeat what you say and before you make a change, you repeat it, somebody else has to okay it, things like that. So we're, we have um, ITIL change management in place. We do all the things that you would expect to ensure that um, things don't go wrong. And when they go wrong, we minimize the duration of uh, any any sort of interruption. Yeah. Do you get out to the data centers yourself? I've visited each of them to sniff them around. Uh, and my main <laughs> job at the data center, and I do the same thing for acquisition targets. The first thing I look at is the cabling. Because yeah. if the cabling's straight, I know like the rest of the data center is straight. And if the cabling's just a big rat's nest, I know something's gone horribly wrong here and we got to <laughs> sort it out. Yeah. And for our data centers, everything is straight. It's labeled. It's redundant. It's, it's beautiful. It's like a... A textbook picture of what it should be like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. So there's, there's a, a few of us in the industry and we talk about what a beautiful comms rack or a beautiful data center yeah. looks like. It's reflective actually, of the team. Yeah, it is. We, we've started referring to it as a data center porn because it's like, <laughs> it's, it's pretty you know, accurate. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. But it's true, isn't it? Because you can look at things and say, actually, if they don't look after their comms cabinet or they don't look after the data center, yeah. you know, where, where else are they not, uh, not doing things as good as they should be? Yeah. And my, I had an early mentor, uh, Jim McCarthy uh, was um, the first product manager for the first version of Visual C++ for oh, Microsoft. Wow. Okay. He lives in a beautiful home, but he's an old friend and he's a great mentor. And one of the things that he said was that a product is a perfect reflection of the dynamics of the team that built it. So if you have a team that's sort of broken and there's egos and different agendas, your product is going to reflect that. It's going to be inconsistent and horrible. But if your team is highly aligned, your product is going to be highly aligned. So if I see a data center that looks perfect, I know that the team that built it is really working well together and firing on all cylinders. I love it. I love it. Absolutely agree with it as well. Now, you also look after development of new product features. Would that be right? Yes. Yes, I do. Is it? I guess my question here would be, obviously, we've talked about the complexity of, of the products, but there's also a desire, isn't there, for, for cutting edge technology to move things along yeah. as quickly as possible. How do you balance getting out new features out of the door as quickly as possible without compromising the quality of those releases? We've actually uh, just started uh, addressing that struggle more now because um, with the uh, merger, I met with Austin and we both came sort of to the immediate conclusion that we wanted to do quicker, um, smaller releases. We yeah. had been releasing at a cadence of like one to two releases per year, about every nine to 12 months. Um, but big software projects like that run into problems. They tend to be a bit unpredictable because you can't hold it all in your head, so to speak. Mm. Um, and when they're unpredictable, they're late and then the scope can creep because the market changes and then they get later and it's a problem. So we wanted to do smaller releases because we have better quality, better predictability there. And so we released our last big one, which was 2018.1 in June. Um, then we released 2018.2 in September. 2018.3 will start deploying to English-speaking customers in December and we'll finish in January. So, so you're we, roughly about a three-month sort of yeah, cadence yeah. for it. It's, yeah. Our goal is like three to four major releases per year. It's not, And as I said, quality is our biggest priority. Yeah. Uh, predictability second. And what that means is that if we catch something and it's not performing well for, its, or for their bugs, uh, we'll hold it up. Uh, we won't ship it till it's right. 
Um, but your question was about, um, you know, uh, balancing innovation with... Yeah, so I guess as a former MSP myself, mm. I think one of the biggest... Um, issues that we have with vendors and I'm not pointing any fingers here but it's like we definitely need this new feature and why hasn't the products already got this feature and things like that so I guess from your perspective how do you balance that desire to constantly be moving forward because everybody's feature request is the top priority to them sure yes how do you balance that with making sure it comes out the door without being bug riddled so there's (laughs) yeah there's two things that we do there Um, well more than two things actually Uh, you give me a lot of material Um, (laughs) so so we uh, we have the the um, the burden of product management isn't deciding on the good feature that you're going to do. It's deciding on the thousand other good features that you're not going to do yet, and it's picking what is the the top one. Where are you going to invest next? Uh, and that's a challenge. And the way we make those decisions is really based upon customer input. So we have a really good feature request system and we'll uh, almost always work on the top uh, requested feature. Um, in 2018.2, um, the top requested feature at that time was this simple little thing, which was adding a start and stop time to time off requests, right? People would request a day and that's fine. You know what day they're not coming to work, but they'd request four hours and we didn't track which four hours they're not at the work. So, you know, it was something we just didn't think about, but it surfaced really quickly from MSPs. We're like, oh, we should do that. It wasn't a lot of work, but we got it done and it made sense. So we do it. So, you know, they're a great source of it. But one of the benefits that we're getting from this faster release cadence is that we're introducing less change more frequently. And MSPs don't want to come to work in the morning dreaming that they'll have to face a steep learning curve uh, for the tools that they use. What they want to do is just get their work done. And so if we have a whole year of change uh, or of feature requests, we're introducing a bunch of change for them. Uh, and so by cutting that down, it's much more manageable for them. Uh, and besides that, we can sort of incrementally improve something uh, and get their feedback and know if we're moving in the right direction or not versus just giving them a whole new house to live in, so to speak, and yeah. now they have to find the loop. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. So it's not quite the same thing, but I'm a Google Apps user and Google rolled out um, a new UI um, uh, the other week for it. And I immediately freaked out. I'm like, I just want to get on with my work. I haven't got time for this. So I can totally see what you're saying about, you know, the incremental changes sort of ease it in rather than a... Um, you know, a whole whole big thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, we talked earlier on about the fact that you were um, previously with Autotask for 13 years. Yes. Was it in your previous role? Obviously, we've gone through the the, the merge of the acquisition, Datto. How are you finding life at Datto and how does it compare to to life at Autotask previously? Oh, it's been great at Datto, really. Um, It's, uh, they're a really great company and also they're they're the market leader by any means. And, I've just really been enjoying working with a market leader. We have a a much larger breadth of products uh, and we've already done a really strong and powerful integration with the backup product line and Autotask PSA, um, both uh, with PSA and actually in the RMM group as well. So um, the the customers of ours that choose to use uh, multiple of the Datto products will have a really good um, 
experience. Like it's very, very efficient. Uh, but at the same time, we're also staying open uh, with the, the whole industry because we don't want to force an MSP to use a solution that may not be exactly right for them. And it would be arrogant for me to think that I'm going to create the perfect solution for everyone. It's just, there's going to be outlying use cases, things like that. So we have to be open because we want to provide the best solution for the MSP. And it's up to them what that is. And we want to win on our merits, not by, you know, dragging them, uh, forcing them to use something that may not be right. Yeah. So you, um, you know, I've heard other people refer to it as, um, you want to be so dominant in the quality of the product that it becomes a no-brainer for them to use it as opposed to you forcing them, hey, you've got to use our yeah, product to do that's this. that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So I guess as we come to the close of our time uh, together, I know there's a lot of things that you and your team do really, really well. We talked about uptime. Security is another one we've barely touched on there. I know oh, you've got yeah. you know your security first. And, and I think a lot of this is taken for granted by uh, MSPs. And I don't mean that in a, a negative way. You just do it very, very well. What would you say is the one thing you wish MSPs knew about the work that you and your team do behind the scenes at Datto that might perhaps change their perspective of the products that they use? Uh, so, so I will get, especially at conferences like this, I will get many people walking up to me with good ideas for feature requests. And they are all good ideas. But the challenge is sort of the your last point is that I can't move their cheese too far. Mm. And also... I need to do, uh, I need to invest in the thing that's going to help the most of our customers, right? And I can see that, oh, for this, maybe 10% of our customers, this is absolutely the most important thing for them. But if I look a couple notches down, I see something that's less important for those guys. However, it's really important for 80% of our customers. So that's what I have to do. And while I'm implementing that change, I need to make sure that I'm dealing with new customers that we haven't even signed yet to make their onboarding experience easier. And all the legacy customers that have learned how to do something one way and don't want to change that much. So it's it's a big balancing act for us to to identify which thing that we're going to work on next and then implement it in a way that provides the greatest benefit and the least amount of harm, so to speak, to uh, to different users. And we we take that very personally. That's a big responsibility for us because people are relying on us to to provide the tools to run their business. So can't take it lightly. Yeah. Well, look, thank you for the time today. I appreciate all the work you do. And I know I'm not alone. There's a lot of MSPs who rate the work that you do with Datto, the products that you help produce so very highly. So thank you for everything you do there. You've set the bar quite high for yourself. Oh, thank you. You've got to keep it going now. Thanks for saying so. (laughs) But thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it. All right. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Tub Talk, the podcast for IT business owners. You can find the show notes and bonus content for this interview, along with dozens of other interviews with IT business leaders over at www.tublog.co.uk. Now, if you enjoyed this podcast, then I'd really appreciate you rating and reviewing the show over at iTunes. It genuinely helps the show reach new listeners. Tune in for our next episode when I speak to my latest guest for more valuable insights into the world of business and IT. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak with you next episode. Have a great day. G'day, Nigel Moore from the Tech Tribe here again. Now, I hope you enjoyed the episode and there were some rockin' takeaways to go and implement in your business. You are going to implement them, right? 
good. So I promised at the beginning of the episode to give you the super quick pitch on what the Tech Tribe is and why you should come and join us. I created the Tech Tribe because it breaks my tech geek heart when I see good people struggling to run their IT support business, especially because that used to be me. Although the good person part is quite debatable, the struggle part was very real for many years. And in a nutshell, I created the Tech Tribe to help MSPs like myself back then get access to the tools, templates, training, and resources that I wish I had when I was traveling my MSP journey. Plus, it's all backed up with a supportive community and expert coaching from not only me, but from the fearless host of this podcast, Sir Richard Tubby himself, who is one of our tribal elders. Now, instead of me babbling on more about why you should join us, I thought I'd read out two quick notes from some of the hundreds of MSPs already inside our tribe. First up from Tom, great dude from the United States. He says, I've been in Nigel's tech tribe for almost a year now. Best investment I've made to date. And secondly, from Chris, one of our Aussie tribers who says, your energy tools, techniques, tips, and recommendations have proven invaluable. And whilst I'm not making millions yet, things are on the up and up. Please keep up the good work. So if you want to join the tribe and get access to all of the juicy goodness, simply head on over to thetechtribe.com slash tubtalk and check out the super duper special deal for tubtalk listeners only. 